Good morning, friends. Give me a second. All right, Jesus, I just thank you for today. I thank you that you're so good. You're so kind. You're so gentle. You know, sometimes things don't go like we plan, and that's okay, because uh, Jesus will have his way in everything we do, everything. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, but uh, I just want to encourage you guys to not let stuff get too weighty for you, because it's not worth it. Um, I just got to thinking when I was back here playing the drums that, you know, I haven't taught for a while and the way we've been doing things and we've been doing a recap of last week, I didn't plan that at all. Okay. <laughs> I'm used to Vince teaching. I mean, he recaps the snot out of the week before and it is beautiful. I did not even think about doing that. <laughs> yeah, that is not my lane. That's Vince's lane. All right, here's my lane. So we're going to do Acts 9 today. Why don't everybody turn there real quick? I got to clean my glasses. Hold on. All right, I'm going to read. Um, I'm only going to cover the first 30 verses today. I know Acts 9 is a little longer than that, but it almost seems like Acts 9 should be two books and not one. So we're just going to talk about Paul today. But I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll break it down a little bit, okay? Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priests and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, said Saul. Saul said, Jesus said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could not see. So they took him by hand and led him to Damascus. 
he was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on his name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plot. So they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So I wanted to start this about explain to you who Saul is. So all we know about Saul so far, besides what I just read in the first eight chapters of Acts, was he was there when Stephen was killed. Remember, they laid the, all their cloaks at his feet. And then um, in Acts 8, at the very beginning... It says, uh, Saul agreed with putting him to death. There's talking about Stephen. And then it says, on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. So that's the two things we know about Saul up until this point. So I'm going to kind of do a small history lesson here so we can understand Saul a little bit. Uh, so 100 years before everything in Acts took place, 
uh, a Roman general named Pompey, he conquered, I'm going to butcher names, deal with it, the Hasmonean kingdom. All right. Now, the Hasmonean kingdom, they were descendants of the Maccabees. So the Maccabees were a, uh, the story is pretty phenomenal, but they were warriors. And what they did is um, uh, they took control of Jerusalem and ruled from, I got dates written down, 167 to 37 B.C. And what they did was they reasserted the Jewish religion. Now, the Jewish religion was like everything that Moses put in place. All right. So, um, and after they got conquered by the Romans, uh, they were taken to Rome and sold as slaves. And there were Jews that were actually living in Rome that bought all the slaves. And then they freed them. And so... Uh, and after they were freed, uh, these freed slaves, they started the synagogue of the freedmen. And this was the synagogue in Acts 6, 9. If you want to go there real quick. In 6, 9, it says, opposition this is talking about Stephen. Opposition arose, however, from, this, from some members of the freedmen synagogue composed of both Syrianes and Alexandrians, some of the blah, 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 a bunch of people. Anyways, this was the synagogue that Paul was part of. All right, so there's the small history. Um, some scholars, you guys remember, um, I have it written, Gem, Gem, how do you say that, Ange Gamaliel is? Do you guys remember his little speech? not too far back. Some say that Paul was a disciple of him. I couldn't find any proof of that, but it's kind of cool to think about. Um, but he was also part of the Freedmen's, and um, he's the one that gave the advice that, you know, lots of prophets had come before and were killed. And if Jesus was true or not, it would matter because if, if he wasn't right, it would fizzle out. But if it's real, there's nothing on earth that can stop this. Let's see. So anyways, when, when Stephen, so this is the Freedmen's, they killed Stephen. This is who part, Paul was part of. And when Stephen was killed, this seems like it lit the fuse for Saul. And so, if you look back at Saul's history with uh, the Maccabees, since he was descendant of the Maccabees, they thought they brought back the real Jewish religion. And so, when the disciples started spreading Jesus around, that really fired him up. That's like somebody trying to come into the United States and changing who we are. That just makes us mad. So if you want to understand where Paul's fury came from in this, you'll get that. All right, so back to Acts 9. Start at verse 3. It says, as he traveled 
and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He replied, but get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. So what is the significance of the Damascus road? All right. I, I thought I'd look this up and I went to Christianity.com because, you know, they know everything. This is their, this is their, uh, their, their statement on the significance. It says, Paul recognized Jesus as Lord, admitted his own wrongdoing, surrendered his life to Jesus, and made plans to obey. Genuine change comes from an individual experiencing with Jesus Christ the prom- and prompts another life in relationship with him. I could not disagree with this statement anymore. Paul recognized Jesus as Lord. Not true. The Bible says he said, Lord, who are you? Jesus had to explain to him who he was. He admitted his wrongdoing. Anybody see that? Uh, Surrendered his life to Jesus. Didn't say that. Made plans to obey him. Didn't see that either. what, What this statement sounds like is that Paul made a choice. There was no choice in what Saul did here. Jesus will have his way whether you make the decision because he asked you to or he has to knock you off your horse. All right. Paul, I mean... (laughs) Paul thought he was living his best life. Did he not? Um, so I want to talk about free will for a second. And I was, I was uh, reading a sermon by R.C. Sprawl. And he was talking about uh, Joseph when he was sold into slavery. And his brother sold him into slavery. And does everybody know the story? He was sold into slavery, was in bondage for years. Because of God, he got real high in the in the uh, Egyptian government, and there was a big famine. And his brothers came looking for help. And when they recognized him, they were pretty sorry about what they did. All right, and. In Scripture, in Genesis 50, 20, we love to quote this. When, when bad stuff happens, we say, you know what? It's all right. Because God's going to use what happened here and turn it for good. We say that a lot. But here's the deal. God had plans for Joseph. His brothers tried to get rid of those plans. All right, they were being used poorly. All right. Do you think God was concerned more with his plans or the plans of his brothers? We think that they were they had free will to do what they want. Here's the thing. God made a choice in the matter. God had chosen to allow this to happen to befall Joseph. His brothers made a choice about what to do with Joseph, and it was wicked. 
God also made a choice. In allowing it, he allowed it to take place because he knew the outcome. God's intention in this activity was altogether righteous and holy. God's righteousness and holiness are on a whole nother level. God considered the choice they made. And he said, well, their choice, their free will, their actions still allow his choice, his, his will to be accomplished. In this case, the answer is yes. So what I'm trying to say is they thought they were doing something great. Their will was to destroy their little brother. God had plans for Joseph. And he said, do I allow, in his infinite wisdom, he said, I can, al- I can allow this to happen. They think they're making a choice. But in the long run, my choice will be served. My will will happen. Chap- uh, verse 10. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. Here I am, Lord, he replied. So we're only nine chapters into Acts. I don't know how long Jesus has been gone, but it's not very long. But there are already already men and women around that knew his voice. So in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord. We have, I think everybody in here has known who Jesus is for a long time. But do we recognize his voice yet? Are we quick to say, here I am, Lord. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Now, this is funny. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to our saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. In scripture here, it's Ananias' reply is Lord, comma. It probably was more like Lord, exclamation point. Are you kidding me? Basically, you want me to go and talk to Hitler. Okay. He didn't know who Hitler was at the time. But I mean, if you can imagine, this was a guy wiping out the Jewish people many, many bad things. Never met the man, and Jesus all of a sudden said, hey, would you go and pray for him? Think of your worst enemy or the person you're most afraid of, and God's saying, hey, go pray for him. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. After all Saul had done to persecute Christians, why did God choose him? We love to use the excuse. I can't serve God because you don't know what I've done. We say that a lot. It's it's like our favorite out. You don't understand. I can't be forgiven. 
because you don't know what I've done. And I think this gets back to free will and God's choices. Do you think God wanted all those people to die? Everybody here wants to say no. I think he did. I think God not only allows stuff, I think he orchestrates stuff because he knows the outcome. His righteousness, his choices are beyond our understanding. God set all of Saul's life in motion from the beginning. Why would he have Christians suffer at the hands of Saul? Because of grace. Grace is defined as undeserved favor. Grace cannot be earned. It is something that is freely given. How could Saul go and minister the way he did? How could he talk about God's amazing grace if he didn't get to experience it first? I don't know why it was three days. There's always something about three days. You know, it took three days for Jesus to die. I think in that three days, God was just, I love you, Saul. I love you. But you don't know what I did. Saul, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Saul was, Saul or Paul, when he became was the greatest grace preacher. He understood what grace is. Turn to Ephesians 2 real quick. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. God has your life mapped out. He knows beginning to end. I'm not just saying that. That's in the Bible. Go find it. He knows your life beginning to end. These Christians that suffered, do you think they didn't have a good outcome? They all went to heaven. Jesus, God, knew their outcome. But he also knew, if this doesn't happen, Paul will not get what I have for everybody. I went through, I had a car wreck. Everybody knows about that. I am thoroughly convinced. I can see it sometimes. It makes me giggle that God flipped my truck over with his finger. He knew the outcome. I wasn't going to die. I wasn't even going to get hurt that bad. But he knew it was going to change who I am. And it was going to set my life in a different mo- different space. Because I was off track and he wanted me on track. 
So he flicked me back onto track. Does God make things happen? Yeah, he does. Because he has a plan. He has his own free will. We're made in his image. So we're thinking, well, God, I, what about my will? What about his? That's our biggest problem. We're so selfish, stuck on ourselves that we forget the guy that we're supposed to be loving and worshiping has a will for us. All right, verse 17. So Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the spirit. Again, no free will there. He just let him know the Lord Jesus who knocked you off your horse just sent me. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Guys, do you understand that when we pray for people, we don't have to beg. God gives us, he tells us, lay your hands and people will be recovered. That's all he did. He didn't say, Saul, you done messed up. But Jesus, whom you were persecuting, has decided, he didn't go through this whole spill. He laid his hands on him and scales fell out of his eyes. He regained his sight. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't beg for it. I remember when we were at Legacy Church, most of you, some of you weren't there. I wanted to speak in tongues so bad because everybody did, and I wanted to have gibberish coming out of my mouth just like theirs. Super bad. And I would watch people speak in tongues, and then I tried to emulate them. I'd be like, and it was it was funny. I, if if I could have been recorded like and have my own show, it'd have been hysterical. I was up in the sound booth one day and we were just worshiping, and there it was. I stopped begging. I actually kind of forgotten about it. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there worshiping. I threw my hands up in the air and it was. I'm like, what? What? I stopped begging because it's a gift. I don't have to beg for my gifts. Just like my kids, when they need something, they don't have to beg me for it. They want something that's different. But if it's a need, they get it. All right. Verse 19b. I've always wanted to say that. B means the second half of verse 19. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. What did it say? Immediately. We like to make fun of classes 101, 201, 301. Paul did not have to go through all that. He spent three days with Jesus blind, and he was ready. Anybody disagree? Did he go to seminary? No. Did he go and get undoctored, un, un, religified? 
Huh? Three days. Okay. A lot of people like to say Paul had to go off when they sent him off to Tarsus. That was so he could get his life right. Immediately, Paul started spreading the word about the man he was killing people over. All who heard, verse 21, all who heard him were astounded and said, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on his name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? Do you not think Saul heard the grumblings? What happens when we mess up? I'm not talking about murder like Saul was doing. But what happens when we mess up? We like to go hide. If I'm away from them long enough, maybe they'll forget. Yes? What's all do? He said, I have had so much grace laid upon me right now. I can't help it but spread it. It doesn't matter the wrong I did five minutes ago. We... We hold ourselves, let me be careful how I say this. We hold ourselves to a standard that's not in God's playbook. I was going to say a high, higher standard, but that's not even right. It's just a standard because we've had so much doctor, indoctrination in our brains about how we're allowed to bring people to Jesus. You have to do it this way. You have to show this example for this long before you can do this. It's crap. Verse 22, but Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Don't know what that proof is, but I bet it was awesome. I'm going to sit down and have a conversation. What did you do? What did you do? After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. Of course. But Saul learned of their plot. So they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. People made a decision to kill him. But Jesus will have his way. They remember when they tried to kill Jesus and he just they tried to throw him off a cliff. We just watched that episode of The Chosen. It was not his time. Jesus was going to have his way. His his uh, his line in The Chosen was beautifully written. He turned around and looked at the guys and he said, "Not today. Not today, Satan." <laughs> Not today. You think Paul was worried? He, he knew what his, his mission was. And I want to go back to where it said that he said he will learn how much he will suffer in my name. If you knew that you were going to be beaten within an inch of your life, he was actually killed once and Jesus brought him back. You're going to be in multiple shipwrecks. You're going to get bit by snakes. See, I'm out right there. I am. Snakes and me, not a good thing. I'm out right there. Sorry, Lord. 
He knew all this and he went about his mission with glee because it was the joy set before him. Verse 26, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. That is us in a nutshell, especially in today's society. You can't mess up and be forgiven. You get canceled. I mean, you get canceled for the stupidest things. We want people to change, but we're not willing to allow them to change. If I mess up, and I apologize, if I mess up, I mean, my wife is the perfect example because she's still with me. She still loves me. All the mistakes I've made, my wife is still right there. Her love has never wavered. Not one day. Well, maybe once. I don't know. I doubt it, though. She's a saint. But she should have canceled me I don't know how many times. And yet, she chose because guess what? God has a plan for me, and she knew it. Because Jesus will have his way. Okay, your life, Jesus will have his way. It doesn't matter what you think you're going through is, is hard or not. If you aren't being shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, stoned, beaten, you, you're really not living that hard of a life. We think, we think life is hard. I don't think we really know what hard is. We haven't laid, nobody in here has laid their life down on purpose. Now, we've, we might have laid some plans down, but we haven't really laid our life down. Barnabas, however, verse 27. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. So I was telling Angie last night, I think Barnabas and Ananias should have a little more in the Bible about them. Honestly, I mean, there's still a church named after Ananias. I got a picture right here in my Bible. So it's true. But these men, God used them in such a profound way to not only help Paul fulfill his destiny, but for the disciples who were scared. I mean, this guy was trying to kill them trying to murder them. And Barnabas, whatever his authority was to come in to the guys that walked with Jesus, Barnabas didn't, but the disciples had, and he came up to them and said, it's okay. And they listened. You know, there's people, 
there's people who have such a profound influence on my life, but nobody knows who they are. That's okay. Jesus does. You're going to do stuff that I won't even know about. But I know this is true about you because I know you people. There are things you're going to do that aren't going to get recognized. And that's okay. Because Jesus knows. And you have to be okay with that. Sometimes being up here in front of people isn't all that. It really isn't. But it's those people. I mean, you guys know, remember Pam? There are things that she does that nobody in this community even knows about. You guys know she has a tent set up in her backyard so for homeless people to come and sleep with blankets and stuff if they get too cold. Me and Angie were driving around the park over here and we parked. I don't even know what we were doing. And we saw Pam pull up and she comes out and gets out of the car with like three McDonald's bags full of food. And she just starts walking out, handing it to people that are in the park. It's the least of these. Her reward is amazing. It's going to be amazing in heaven. But she, and she not, she's not doing it so that you're impressed with her. She's doing it because Jesus said, hey, will you go take and feed my babies for me? She's like, absolutely. And Pam is a bus driver. She actually has does not have the money to go and do this stuff. But Jesus always provides for her. All right, her finances aren't dictating what she does for the kingdom. That's a whole nother sermon. Saul was, verse 28, Saul was coming and going with them, so they accepted him. So now they're boys. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Now remember, the uh, the reason why this didn't work out so well for him, what was the Maccabees actually whooped the hell in the Jews' rear ends. And I think their descendants remembered that. But Paul boldly went before them and he's like, hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they're like, kill, kill, kill. <laughs> okay, but that's boldness right there. We... we 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 have we do not get the history the the Jewish history is crazy like it's so crazy and you know i have i don't know how many times i've read the story and it just talks and it, you know he got he had a conversation with the hellenist jews but they tried to kill him okay what do you do paul's always trying to get killed but there's something deeper there that we have got to become students of the Bible to help us understand how magnificent God is and how magnificent guys, Paul's life is awesome. I'm impressed. He's still not John can't help it, but it's impressive. Okay. He's pretty actually better. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And I'm stopping there because I actually think uh, the next, <laughs> I was telling Angie, it's so weird because the next thing, you know, they said it sent them off to Tarsus. And then all of a sudden, so the church throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. 
It makes it sound like that happened because they sent Baal off to Tarsus. It's not why it happened. It was happened because the fear of the Lord came upon them and they understand what the fear of the Lord was. Okay. But I think that we need to, we love to put people, sports figures, I'm one of them, I'm guilty, up on some pedestal. We love to put our politicians like Trump on some kind of pedestal. Guys, we have people like Paul who, who had a wonderful life that we should learn to follow. Pedestal. We have Jesus. Pedestal. All right. We've got to understand the difference between a hero and a hero. Paul's a hero of the Bible because he understood grace and he was able to take the grace that he understood and teach us to have grace with each other. That's it. Um, I have no idea how to do this part. We're doing discussion time. Any questions? That work? Any questions? That I okay. What? Oh, stop. Bye, guys. <laughs>